0: What's going on and welcome into a game day edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. The Pelicans are back home just for one game, of course, and then they'll go back on the road tomorrow night and take on the Pacers. But tonight, they'll welcome in the Los Angeles Clippers. We'll get to Noah Eagle in a second, the radio voice of the Clippers. We'll have later on uh, Mark Mann, going to be opening up some trading cards for Panini earlier uh, during pregame at 620. I'll have more info on that later on in the show. But let's now welcome in Noah Eagle as the 2-14 and 14 Pelicans will play host. To the nine and six Clippers, a Clippers coming off a back-to-back. So, Noah, first off, I appreciate the time. I know yeah, I've not gotten a lot of rest, but I uh, hope all is well, my friend.
1: Daniel, I'm, I'm well rested, man. I, I still have young bones, at least that's what people tell me. And so <laughs> it's the bounce-back ability of those young bones that's the biggest key that I've realized. You know, it's young players apparently have it. Well, young broadcasters are expected to have it. Even if I don't, I fake it like I do. So I'm glad to be with you, man.
0: Yeah, I try to do the same. I have two young kids and I think I have young bones, but sometimes it's just not in me and <laughs> I'm not in the card. So um, the sleep is very valuable
1: on the road. Young kids will do sure. that, man. Young kids will do that in a, a blink of an eye.
0: Exactly. No days off. But uh, let's get to the game. We'll start with last night's game for the Clippers as they're just coming on a, a two game central time zone back to back. They lost to the Grizzlies last night. Kind of What went down in that game? I know John Moran had a big third quarter for Memphis. Was it just come down to that, or was there anything else that stuck out to you from last night?
1: Yeah, yeah. Defensively, I think that the Clippers had some miscues, but that's to be expected. The biggest thing to keep in mind from that game last night is L.A. was missing seven players for the second consecutive game. Now they swapped two of them from Tuesday's win against San Antonio and the one they lost happens to be maybe their most impactful defender this year in, in Nicola Batum. And Nick Batum has just been so useful in so many different varieties, both on the offensive and defensive end this year. Teron Lu has really, I think, struck goals having him last year and now continuing to get him back on the, the bargain price that they did. You know, Nick was somebody who wanted to come back, was happy with his family, his wife and kids, loved LA. And so he felt like this was the place for him, felt comfortable here. And you're seeing it on the court. And I think that was the presence that was really missed last night in particular, because he's so versatile on the defensive end. And they didn't really have anybody to guard both Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson Jr. at the same time, considering Batum was out. Sergi Baca still. Back with the G League team as he tries to get his win back and tries to get back into shape he'll be back now for the homestand coming up so you're missing him you're missing Marcus Morris you're missing of course Kawhi Leonard so those are four big key rotation players right off the bat and then some of the younger guys Justice Winslow who we had signed this year has missed the last couple of games with personal reasons but he's another guy who's versatile on the defensive end that could have maybe helped in the front court and then some some rookies were out as well so with so many bodies were missing, I think that they ran out of gas on the defensive end and Memphis took full advantage. Credit goes to them.
0: And speaking of versatility, though, I mean, even with that being said, your team is right now at nine and six. And looking at some of the numbers from this team, look, Morris has only played a couple games, but you have nine guys that are averaging almost 10 points per game. So you're seeing a lot of guys step up. What have you noticed from some of the others that maybe normally wouldn't get the opportunities or are certainly making the most of theirs uh, during this start for the Clippers?
1: See, I love what our head coach Teron Lu said, he said that it can be anybody's night on any night, but we know that it's going to be PG's night every night. And Paul George is going to have a night pretty much every night because right now without Kawhi, he is your superstar. And we've seen this in his career before when he was with the Pacers, even his second year in Oklahoma city, it really felt like he blossomed back into a number one option. And he's a good number one option. I think people forgot when he was playing with Kawhi or he was playing behind Russ how good he is as your top dog, and he's proving that once again. He's doing a little bit of everything, and when I say that, he's distributing as well, over averaging over five assists per game so far this year. He's getting his teammates involved, and they've all stepped up. They've all realized the opportunity in front of them. Reggie Jackson is basically continuing what he did in the playoffs. He has the green light above all green lights. He took 17 threes in Tuesday's win over San Antonio, and I always say this, when you've got a shooter like Reggie if you take 15 to 17 shots, you're going to make five of them. And that's exactly what he did. And if he makes five threes, he's feeling pretty good about himself. He made some very timely ones as well in the fourth quarter, or even late third quarter. You've got guys like Terrence Mann, who's taking another step forward in his NBA development. He signed the contract extension. He has proven that worth. Luke Kennard doing the same thing after he signed his extension before last season, he's showing why the front office believed in him. So I, I just think that, This team is full of guys who are confident within themselves, who understand the task ahead and understand that this opportunity is important for them to prove not just right now, but moving forward either to themselves or to the the team or the rest of the league or whatever else that they can play at this level. They can be impact players on a winning team and they can go out there and they can execute a game plan. And that's really been the biggest key for the Clippers. It's been a lot of really good execution, especially in the fourth quarter.
0: Before that loss to the Bulls, this team was riding a seven-game winning streak. So, obviously, it's a little bit of a slow start, but then came out firing with that seven-game winning streak. I guess what was going well during that winning streak that has gotten you to this point where you're a couple of games over five hundred.
1: Defensively, they've been outstanding. And, and you look at the defensive numbers, it tells a lot of the story. They're second in the league in defensive rating. Heading into last night's game, not anymore, but heading into last night's game, they were tied with the Warriors for the best half-court defense in the NBA. And a lot of that goes back to Batum, who did miss the season opener as well against Golden State when the Warriors scored 40-plus points in the first quarter and Steph Curry had 25 alone. I think that Batum not being out there really hurts them on the defensive end. Not having Marcus Morris after these first two games of the season has hurt them a little bit on the defensive end. But Teron Liu is, in my estimation, the best adjustment coach in the NBA. It's why we call him the chiropractor. He is a chiropractor because he makes adjustments constantly on the sideline. And it's what he's continued to do so far this season. He recognized those first four games. Okay. You know what? First five games, even when they were one and four, you know what? The offense is struggling a little bit when I'm leaving it in all the players hands, let me take a little bit more control and dictate exactly what's going to happen here. And since he's done that, the offense has taken off to kind of catch up a little bit more to the defense, but the defense has been there really from the start. And during that seven game winning streak, they were holding teams under 100 pretty regularly and defensively, I just think Paul George has stepped up to take the challenge. I know a, a former Pelican, Eric Bledsoe, has been good for them to kind of take some of that pressure off of PG on the defensive end. And you might think losing a guy like Patrick Beverly would hurt, but Bledsoe has filled that role pretty nicely to this point in the season. And then you've got everybody else ready to focus on what their role is. But I think that what T. Lou has done well is he's got this team playing together together. And during that seven-game winning streak, they understood that it wasn't going to be just Paul George going out there and making plays on both ends, which he's been doing. He's been making MVP-type plays on the offensive and defensive end. I understand that, but it's the defensive rotations that really stood out and led them to those seven consecutive wins.
0: Which goes into tonight's matchup, but unfortunately, the Pelicans have had a hard time scoring the basketball uh, on this road trip, not even getting to 100 points, and they had a lead in both games a 17 point lead against Washington, had a lead against Miami and then Jimmy Butler took over, which he does against other teams too. But going into tonight's game, of course, you have a, a desperate Pelicans team hungry for another win. They're just two and 14, which I know can scare some teams um, that are in much better situations. But when you look at tonight's matchup, I guess, what sticks out to you the most?
1: Well, I the, it, to the scoring point, you've got Brandon Ingram back. And Brandon Ingram, we know, can get hot. He can go off for 30, 40 points on anybody. And so... That's some, something right off the bat to me that you've got to look out for because the Clippers will be shorthanded again, and they're going to be on the second night of a back-to-back, and B.I. is someone with his length who can take advantage. Now, you've got to expect that Paul George is going to be checked on him, and PG will probably take that fairly personally should he be playing tonight, which so far everything points to the fact that he will be, but yeah, this matchup is going to be interesting because the biggest thing the Clippers have struggled with this year, Daniel, is slow starts and mostly against young teams. L.A. has come back from double-digit deficits on a number of occasions, not just this year, but dating back to the postseason last year, dating back to a number of games last season as well. And so getting behind the eight ball has been their biggest concern. Last night against against Memphis, they fell down by 11 points in the first couple minutes of the first quarter. And then they ended up taking a lead in the third quarter, but they were so gassed by having to get back in the game without all those guys available that that's when John Morant smelled blood and took full advantage. And so – That, to me, is going to be the biggest thing to look out for. Can this young New Orleans team with Graham, with Nikhil Alexander-Walker, with Valanciunas, who's crushed the Clippers over the years, can they get out to that early advantage, create a little bit of distance, and then force the Clippers to have to come from behind? Because it's been the story time and time again with this team, and it's the thing that they are. There are two things that this team is trying to limit above all else. One is that slow starts, trying to get out in front early. The second thing is turnovers. Clippers had a season-high 22 turnovers in their win against the Spurs on Tuesday, which was almost unheard of. Now that defense is what anchored them through. Yesterday, they limited their turnovers, but the defense fell by the wayside. And so you've got to find that happy medium, that balance between those two factors. And I think that's the biggest key the Clippers will be trying for tonight. But to me, the slow starts is what really has gotten them and was really the key for that one and four start as well.
0: No, before I let you go, this is more from a selfish standpoint as a broadcaster, you being able to be at the arena tonight. It's something that we still haven't seen some of the broadcasters back. It'll be good to see you in person tonight. But how does it feel to be calling games in opposing arenas again? It's got to be uh, just so much better than what we were all going through last year.
1: Daniel, I've been dreaming of seeing your beard up close and personal now for what, two years? I don't believe you. I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? It's well manicured. It's beautiful. Like- I Yeah, it, it really does make all the difference in the world. I mean, you know this being up close and personal that when you're there, you can feel the environment. You can get a vibe of how the crowd is. You can get a vibe seeing how things develop. You can see maybe something that happens on the bench, an exchange between a player and a referee. Just little intricacies that you don't get when you're hundreds or thousands of miles away from where the event is happening. And so to be back in these road arenas, I think my favorite part, I was talking to my dad about this. We were talking about how when your team you're broadcasting for goes on like a big run late or hits a huge shot late and silences a road crowd. To not be there and feel that for so long was tough. And now to be back and feel that again, and I got a chance to do it in the playoffs, that was when things finally shifted and the NBA allowed broadcasters to travel starting in the second round of the playoffs. And so we were traveling a little bit differently commercially. I was like, I'll walk to Utah. I don't Same. care. I'll, <laughs> I'll hitchhike to Salt Lake City. I'll hoverboard. Whatever you know, <laughs> whatever I need to do, I'll swim. I'll, I'll get there. And so it was great to be there. But the, the best part was to feel playoff basketball on the road. I had never done that before on a consistent basis like that. And so to be in that like Utah game one was maybe the loudest arena I've heard. And then we come back for game six against the jazz and I've never heard Staples center louder. And that was really what we'd been missing. And the, you know, the road guys, the jazz guys, David Locke and company were there, but it was that, that type of feel the emotion of why we got into the business. That's what we were missing. And so to be back, man, it's special. That's the best way to say it.
0: Absolutely. I look forward to getting back to Staples center or actually be there uh, during Thanksgiving after the, uh, after the Thanksgiving holiday, we'll be there. And it'll be the last time to enjoy the Staples Center, as I know you're getting ready to call from Crypto.com Arena. Again, we were talking earlier, get the nicknames going. No, I know you'll have some fun ones in store, and I appreciate the time as always. And uh, we'll see you tonight at the arena.
1: Oh, sounds great. I, I plan on dominating in the media room at the meal. Don't care what it is, but you'll see me just going seconds, thirds, because I can. I, I'm excited for it. So I'll see you there.
0: I highly recommend you do not do that, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> After we stop recording, that's no eagle. Radio voice of the Los Angeles Clippers. Good stuff there from Noah Eagle, the radio voice of the Clippers. Before we get out of here, let's turn our attention to some basketball cards. And joining me to wrap up the show is Mark Mann. Of course, he is the owner of Mark Mann Sports Cards and Collectibles. And he'll be at the Smoothie King Center tonight to open up a 2020-21 Recon Panini NBA Hobby Box. Pre-game at 620 in the Moet Hennessy Lounge on the 300 level. Of course, Panini is the official trading card partner of your new orleans pelicans mark i really appreciate the time how are you
2: doing great buddy glad to be here
0: yeah absolutely this is exciting look i grew up a big uh, card collector i focus mostly on baseball cards but of course basketball cards have always intrigued me too so uh, but while we get into it just talk to me about the culture right now with card collecting how has the kind of evolved over the years
2: well you know for a long time um card collecting was kind of a I guess a nerdy type of thing, you know, it it wasn't a cool thing. And it was kind of, you know, kind of like comic books and those types of things. And people got into it. And then we all heard about how in the 90s, 80s and 90s, they kind of overproduced cards. And I think that pushed a lot of people out of the market. But what's really crazy is the fact of that COVID hits. People are stuck in their homes for 30 days. They do. They start going through those old collections and looking at cards. And it just explodes, explodes. And then you look at new cards now that have jerseys, patches, autographs. You have rookie cards that are selling for millions of dollars, millions of dollars. And, uh, of course, grading is involved. And it's just it's such a hot thing right now. Um, Sales have exploded. Boxes, prices have exploded. And uh, it's it's endless. I mean, you look at the fact of like Target and Walmart are selling huge amounts of retail product. And yet Target's like, we got to shut this down because we have too many people fighting over the cards and arguing over the cards and trying to uh, uh, the theft problems and all types of, you know, so so Target's like, look, this is getting so crazy. We're going to shut it down. But it's done a boon for our store. It's been crazy.
0: So why is investing in cards such a good idea? You talk about the boom in sales, but
2: why right now is a good time to be investing in cards? I'll tell you what's crazy about that is that you look at it. You've got a lot of people that are basically putting professional sports card portfolios together as an investment form, just like people have always invested in gold or silver. Uh, You look at that, that fact with graded coins, how people will buy us vintage gold and silver coins and then get them graded. And, uh, And that's what people are doing with cards. It's when you get that card out of a pack and it's awesome. Say you pull a Zion Williamson auto rookie patch and man, it's, that's a huge card. Then you send it off to a company like PSA or Beckett, a professional grading company comes back at 10 and that card is worth tenfold. And that's, what's incredible. You've got some Zion rookie cards out there that'll sell for a quarter of a million dollars out of the, out of the pack. Uh, You had a card that actually had a bounty on it. There's a product called flawless. And one company out there, a a big distributor, uh, said, we'll give you a million dollars if you pull the one of one Zion auto patch out of this product. Imagine that, that some guy could buy a box, pull a card, and a company will give you a million dollars for that card. That's incredible. That is incredible. Unbelievable to hear that, especially for a guy that's in this market in
0: Zion Williamson. So. You know, we've seen the fluctuation of cards uh, from time to time going up and going down. Where do you anticipate the industry going with trading cards, especially now with digital cards and you still have the printable cards? Where, where do you see the industry going now?
2: I see it only going up. I, I'm being honest. You have grading companies that are so far backed up. You're looking about a year before you get graded cards back now from the top grading credible. you've got, you know, uh, Jackson Hayes, Auto Rookie or, or Zion, like I said. You've got a a LeBron auto patch rookie that that's graded. It sold for $4.75 million a few weeks ago. That's incredible. You know, incredible.
0: That is incredible. So before I let you go, tell me about the box that you're going to open tonight at six twenty in the wet Hennessy lounge and 300 level A 2020, 21 recon Panini NBA hobby box. Also fans will be able to enter for a chance to win the entire hobby box, which is a $300 value. What is so
2: special about this box that you're going to open tonight? Absolutely. Tomorrow night at the Pelicans game for the Clippers, we will be opening that box. It is a 2021 recon Panini uh, NBA box. It's a hobby box, 10 packs. I think it's like uh, 12 cards per pack. Great thing is dude, two autographs per box. And they usually rookie autographs. So if you can hit a LaMelo ball, rookie, a Halliburton guys like that, man, those cards can go nuts. And if that's a one of one card, and then you get it graded, look out, it's crazy. It gets nuts. Beautiful so be cards, a, too. These are really good-looking cards.
0: All right, so be on the lookout for Mark and go check him out again at the Moet Hennessy Lounge on the 300 level at $620. he will open up a 2020-21 Recon Panini NBA Hobby Box, also Panini's official trading card partner of the New Orleans Pelicans. Don't forget, you'll be entered for a chance to win the entire Hobby Box at a $300 value. Mark, I appreciate the time. We'll see you tonight at Smoothie King's there. Thank you so much, dude. Going to be great. Good stuff there from Mark. Again, that is really cool to see that he'll be opening a pack live at 620 at the Moet Hennessy Lounge on the 300 level. So stop by, get to the game early tonight. Pelicans and Clippers should be a fun one as the Pelicans looking to get back on track before they hit the road as they'll take on the Indiana Pacers on Saturday night. But tonight, 7 o'clock against the Clippers. If you can't make it to the arena, be sure to watch the game on Valley Sports New Orleans with Joel Myers, Antonio Daniels, or Jen Hale. Or you can listen on ESPN New Orleans with 100.3 FM with Todd Graf and the John DeShazer, and Aaron Summers. Pre-game coverage for both will begin at 6.30. All right, that'll do it for today's podcast. Big thanks to Mark, big thanks to Noah Eagle, and we'll talk to you on Monday for another edition of the Pelicans podcast as the team will welcome in the Minnesota Timberwolves a two-game homestand before they head Thanksgiving holiday. Until then, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by CE.